and the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters Ball. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. And welcome to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I am Cousin Patty from Throw Mama from the Train, Joey Gentili. And I'm the rabbit boiling on your stove, Brandon Stanwyck. And this is your LGBT guide through the decade per category, per decade, 1987 for the Academy Awards. What is up? Not a whole lot. Um, let's see, what have I seen recently? Oh, I just watched this new movie. Well, it won't be new to the people listening because this will come out in a few weeks, but I watched The Perfection last night. I'm so glad we can talk about that. Okay. That movie is fucking wild. Yes. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh-huh. Um, there's some things that kind of like stuck out to me in like a weird way, but I just kind of went with it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was a really fun ride. I'm glad it's it's a thing. I think it is one of the best worst movies ever made. Okay. Like, I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but it was so bad that I loved it. Mm. Like... The acting is terrible, the special effects are terrible, the script is terrible, the direction is terrible, everything about this movie is terrible, but it's so much fun. I don't know if I'd call it terrible, it's in, an, it's, it's in a world of its own, and I really enjoyed it. I liked the how it was like hopping between sub-genres, mm-hmm. just willy-nilly, and yeah. I was here for it. Um, I thought it was just a really fun ride. I remember like watching it and literally just being like... <laughs> Like, looking around, like, no I watch it, like, 3 a.m. in my apartment, so no one is with me. And I'm just like, what? Did anybody else see this? What did I watch? And Seth was losing his shit. It's just so bad that, in my in my eyes, that it's so good. But it also really makes me wonder, like, how do people get certain scripts greenlit when this is what we're given? See, I don't think it's bad. I think it's just ridiculous. I, like, I'm not saying, like, it's, like, I like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I am saying it's bad. I like it, but to me, it's just, it's so bad that it's good. Okay. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. Like, I like how it goes from being like this pandemic thing to this sort of psychosexual thing to like a rape revenge thriller to exploitation thriller. It's like everything you can think of this movie becomes at one point, And I think that's just great. It's like contagion meets... I spit um, on your grave. I spit on your grave. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's just it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, as of yesterday, I it, today is it's a gay week. It's a gay week because we're giving gay rights by being given the first three episodes of The Handmaid's Tale, and then on Sunday, Big Little Lies season two starts, mm-hmm. and I am so excited. So I watched the first two episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. I haven't watched last it yet. Night. Not the new season. Okay, but I've seen the part. first the prior seasons, not this new stuff. Okay. Yeah, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like it. And then, of course, we have Big Will Lies and Meryl's joining the group. And I am really excited. Although it's... I'm, I'm just putting in record now. I'm not wishing death to anybody. But I ha- I've been having this reoccurring dream lately of Zoe Kravitz dying in a plane crash. And, the, mm. and Big Little Lies being like her last thing that she's done. Oh, boy. So, just in case it happens, I'm saying this on... June 6, 2019. So it's your fault if it happens. I know, dude. It's been really weird. And it's been constant, too. And I don't know why. Zoe Kravitz. It's been Zoe Kravitz every time. I'm like, oh, fuck. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. Hmm. So hopefully she's fine. Yeah. Also, too, um, I ran a little contest uh, today on our Twitter that only three people responded to. So thanks, guys. Um, but no, it was a little fun thing. I mentioned we were heading into the studio because we're almost done with the 80s. Like, what do we think people... Um, Uh, what episode we are recording and the first one to respond correctly was Fritz and the Oscars who said 1987 oh go Fritz so go Fritz Um, shortly after that though uh, I would say actually way after that um, Daniel Hammer also said it but I'm just giving a name of a shout out to but yeah Fritz and the Oscars girl you won and y'all if you don't already can follow us on Twitter at 
Academy underscore Queens. Yes. At Academy underscore Queens. It's funny how people interact with us. I've noticed on Twitter because, you know, we post a lot of like Oscars things and like for your consideration and, you know, polls and whatnot. And people like jump on that. But when we're like, hey, guess what we're doing? One to two. Mm -hmm. It's very, very interesting. Mm. Twitter is a fascinating website. Yes. Um, But you know what else is fascinating is is this year because this is a really fun year to talk about. Yeah. Um, we've got some iconic performances and some, um, actually all of, uh, supporting, uh, their sole nominations hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's all around a really good year. Yeah. I don't really have any big, big complaints about this year. I've got a couple, but nothing out of the ordinary. Right. So you want to get started? Okay. Actually, I'm starting. Oh, that's true. Because we're in an odd year. Yes. So, um, your supporting actresses of 1987 were... Norma Alejandro and Gabby, a true story. Anne Southern in the Wales of August. Olympia Dukakis in Moonstruck. Anne Archer in Fatal Attraction. <laughs> Anne Ramsey in Pro Model for the Train. All right, starting with Anne Ramsey as Mama in Throw Mama from the Train. This was her sole nomination, as she would unfortunately die uh, just a few months after the actual ceremony from cancer. Um, Going into Oscar night, she had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Um, In Throw Mama from the Train, Anne Ramsey plays a hell of a woman who is just mean and brute and um, truly shows her love and affection the most horrendous ways and to her son played by Danny DeVito and Danny DeVito goes on a mission with Billy Crystal to try and kill his mama Mm -hmm. and side note the unsalted ones make me choke that is her one of her great great lines in this movie Mm -hmm. uh Brandon what do you think about Anne Ramsey I low-key love this nomination um it is so random but it is so good she is probably the best thing about this movie I think this movie is kind of bland it's a, a terrible movie it's not very good it's yeah. like i mean it it is very directly a comedic spin on hitchcock strangers on a train like it directly references strangers on a train actually shows clips from it when like danny devito goes to see it in the theaters and he's trying to do the, the crisscross thing from the movie where he kills billy crystal's ex-wife played by kate mulgrew and he wants billy crystal to kill his mother and ramsey here and Anne ramsey really gives you every reason to want to see her killed right. she is horrible to him she calls him the worst names and she is just a mean old bitch in the best way she is so entertaining in this movie and it's not your usual oscar nomination but i am living for it i love it and my friends and i quote this movie all the time but we just quote her the untold ones make me joke louis armstrong was trying to kill me get out of my way you black bastard (laughs) like it, there's just, there's so many, oh, and there's just so much going on that she does. And it's, she's the only reason to watch this movie. Like, I love when, I think Billy Crystal is trying to, to compliment Owen to his mother, because Billy Crystal is his, Owen's creative writing teacher, and he's complimenting him in some way, and, and she's like, no, he's fat and stupid. Yes. I love it. Um, they, yeah, they come to take me away. Owen! <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. And I love her too because the Goonies hold such a special place in my heart. And she was Mama Fratelli in mm-hmm. the Goonies. Um, and, you know, she didn't, she, she was suffering from mouth and throat cancer. Mm-hmm. So she had a part of her tongue removed when she did this. And, you know, that's why it just gave her like the Owen loves her mouth, like that, yeah. that really scruffy voice. Um, but yeah, it was really sad though because she unfortunately would die just like seven months after the the awards in 88. Yeah. Um, I also forgot to mention, this is the year of, for this category of the Anns because three out of the five oh, movies right. are all named Anne. Not all spelled the same way. Though. No, they're all different. A, uh, so yeah, A-N-N-A-N-N-E-A-N, like it's just, it's different. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really great nomination. Um, even if the movie does suffer from just being a bad movie, uh, and it's also funny, too, because this was the 13th highest grossing film of 1987. Well, Billy Crystal was really big, and yeah. so was Danny DeVito. Yeah. And, of course, you know, Anne Ramsey's fresh off of The Goonies. Yes. Kate Mulgrew wasn't really a thing yet. 
I love Kate Mulgrew. I forgot that she was in this when I went to rewatch it. But, you know, if you watch Star Trek Voyager, she's the caption on Star Trek Voyager. And she's red and orange is the new black. Red and orange is the new black. She's also a fantastic audiobook reader. If you're a fan of audiobooks, her reading of Nosferatu by Joe Hill is probably my favorite audiobook. Really? Yeah. Very, very random. So good. Heard that. See, I wish she would get an Oscar nomination because she's fantastic. I think if they ever did, like, an Orange is the New Black movie, they would push for red. Maybe. Yeah, I could see it. Anything else about Anne Ramsey? No. All right. Next up, we have this year's winner, Olympia Dukakis, which is totally my porn name, by the way. Um, she plays Rose Castorini in Moonstruck. This is her sole nomination and win. Going into Oscar night, she had the most precursors. She won the Golden Globe, LA Films Critic, and National Board of Review for Best Supporting Actress, nominated for the BAFTA and the New York Film Critics Association for in, uh, supporting. In Moonstruck, Olympia again plays Rose, who, if you're like me, come from a hella Italian Sicilian family, is the quintessential Italian mother, the older generation mother. Um, but in this movie, she is also, too, realizing that her husband has another woman um, and kind of has a little tryst of her own without actually really doing anything and realizes that in the end, family is key. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I love her here. Um, she's everything that I want to be. Mm -hmm. I especially want her hair. <laughs> I, her hair in this movie is, like, tremendous. And I need it in my life right now. Um, yeah, she's great. Um, I love how philosophical she is at times. Like, she's going through this, like, time in her life where, like, her children are all grown up and they're off on their own. And her, she realizes her husband's not entirely faithful. Mm. And she's, like, trying to, she's trying to solve human nature in a way. In her own very Italian mama kind of way. Like, when she takes out, I think it's, um, I can't remember his, he's, he's the dad on Frasier. The guy that she's kind of dating. Oh, yeah. And she's asking, like, why do men chase women? And all these, like, meaning of life... She's really asking, like, meaning of life questions, but she's putting them in very down-to-earth kind of sexual ways. Not, like, explicitly sexual, but it's all about why do we seek out other people? Yeah. Because she's also kind of trying to find her own place, I guess, because she kind of... Just, she's just always been, like, this Italian mom, and maybe she wants more. Yeah. And I really dig it. Yeah, I really like this nomination. I love this win. Um, I, I just love this all around. Um, I love this as much as I love Anne Ramsey's here. Um, the thing that Olympia has going for her, first of all, again, I'm very, come, I come from a very Sicilian family, so I, I like this is like on point. I've heard that from like everyone I know who has a Sicilian background yeah. has said like Olympia Dukakis and Moonstruck is like perfect. Yes. And it's like her hand movements like, your life is going down the toilet. Cover that love bite on your neck. Like, that's that's it. That was my grandmother. That is exactly what I remember growing up. And it, it, it's it's great because you forget that she's acting. You really she's do. She so becomes this character. Yeah. And um, I like it. I think this is a, a really solid I, only nomination she's got. That's really weird to me. Yeah, I mean, but also, too, like, her follow-up role to this was woman in office in Working Girl. Mm -hmm. So, like, even after an Oscar, because she's the one that gives Melanie Griffith the mm -hmm. heads up about the Sigourney Weaver job, that, mm -hmm. you know, the assistant. Um, and then after that, she had Steel Magnolias and then kind of just, like, little bit parts. Well, she had Tales of the City there for a while in the 90s. That was a uh, television and she's great in that. Yeah, but she never was, unfortunately, really able to capitalize on this because I don't think Hollywood knew what to do with her. Was she was she a big theater person? Oh yeah, she's a New York actress. So yeah, I don't think theater was her well, best friend. Tales of the City is coming back, and she's in it again. She's reprising her role, which is a really interesting role. I don't know how much you know of it. I don't know anything about. I've never even heard of Tales of the City until I re looked up Olympia's. Yeah, so it was like it was. It's based on a series of books. There's like seven books. I read the first one a long time ago, and they made three mini series of it. And her character is really fascinating. It was really progressive for the time. I don't want to give away anything because there's like a reveal regarding her character in the first one that ended up being kind of groundbreaking for the LGBT community. Trans character? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know how well known that was. So I don't want to give it away. But her, she does play a trans character. She's playing a trans woman. And it's kind of funny. Some people might not realize how groundbreaking it is to have a woman playing a woman. Mm -hmm. Like, usually it's the other way around. Like, you get William Hurt playing a trans character and... Kiss the Spider Woman, Jared mm. Leto, and Dallas Buyers Club. But, like, it was really revolutionary in a way. And it doesn't seem like it would be. Yeah. But it kind of was. Yeah. That's solid. I'll have to check it out, though. Yeah. 
But yeah, I, I think this is really solid for her as mm -hmm. a as a win and nominee. Yeah. So, moving on. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about her. I put her last, but I'm gonna bring her up a little bit. Norma Alejandro as Florencia, or as Liv Ullman calls her, Nanny, in Gabby, A True Story. This is her sole nomination. And just going into Oscar night, she had a Golden Globe nomination for Supporting Actress. Um, in Gabby, A True Story, Norma again plays Francia, who ends up being the caretaker and best friend to the Gabby character played by Rachel Levin, who also, I guess, goes by Rachel Chagall, who earned a Golden Globe nomination for this. Um, and she is kind of the one who speaks for Rachel, I'm sorry, speaks for Gabby, and is essentially the mother character. Like, Liv Ullman handles the technical shit. Norma Alejandro deals with the emotional and upbringing. Um, this was a very hard movie to track down. Yeah, it took us a while to get our hands on this one. I'd seen this a couple years ago, tried to get a copy of it again. The library refused. We ended up having to buy a VHS copy. Yeah. Um, so we watched it together just the other day. And now I want to hear your thoughts on it. Because we didn't talk about this at all. We, 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 we waited for the podcast. Right. I think she's really good here. Um, she's very reflective her character is a lot of reactions to what's going on around her. Because she's basically immersed in just about the entire movie by the nature of her character. Mm -hmm. Because this movie is about Gabby, but she's Gabby's caretaker and she becomes Gabby's voice. Because Gabby writes out or types out what she wants to say because she doesn't have that ability. And she, um, Norma Alejandro's character is who you can sort of look to in a Greek chorus kind of way to understand what's happening in the scene. And it gets a little tricky at times because her reliability as a chorus becomes questionable when she starts to become a little bit jealous of the social life that Gabby is developing as she gets older. And it's a really heartfelt performance, I think. I think she's doing some really beautiful work with what she has to work with. I agree. And I'm really glad that you had that reaction to it. Cause I was very worried because I know how you watch film. Cause we watched a couple things together. Um, I can't say the other thing that we had watched right after that because it was a way different experience of watching that with you mm -hmm. than it was to watch Gabby. Yeah, Those are two very different movies, very different movies. Um, but I, I really, 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 really like Norma Alejandro here. And I think she does amazing work. And this is again, Something that, unfortunately, Hollywood, I don't think, knew what to do with Norma, because she never really... She did the remake of Cousin Cuisine called Cousins in 89, yeah. but, like, she didn't really get a chance to capitalize on this, and it's it's kind of sad, um, because she's so damn good. This is such a... I don't want to say it's subtle, but it's... She doesn't have any showy moments, but right. she is your emotional arc outside of Gabby herself in this movie. Um, and I think she does, she does such a brilliant job of portraying Gabby's emotions when all Gabby can do is just kind of like shout. Yeah, it's a very um, introspective performance, sort of by the nature of who she is. I mean, she's a very reserved woman mm -hmm. and she's basically the servant to this family. And it, she by nature, she doesn't really have these breakout powerhouse moments because it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, And so you're really relying on her to sort of steer your own emotional comprehension of what's going on in this movie. Mm -hmm. And she's very good at that. Yeah. Gabby, find. Yes. If you guys want a copy, we have it. We'll sell it to you. It's yeah. okay. Um, it is on tape. It is. Yes. It's only on tape. It's never brought over to DVD. Um, the movie isn't great. No, it's it, a okay movie. It's honestly, it, 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 it's honestly my left foot part one. Yeah, I got that vibe while watching it. It is very My Left Foot. I do foot. think it's better than My Left Foot, though, because I'm not a huge fan of My Left Foot as a film. Just watch it for Norma, because she's so good here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think she's great. I do, too. I like it. All right, moving on? Yeah. All right. Ann Archer and Fatal Attraction, as uh, Glenn Close announced her in that year. <laughs> Uh, very, very enthusiastic for Ann Archer there. Um, she played Beth Gallagher. This is also her sole nomination. Going into Oscar night, she only had um, a Golden Globe and BAFTA nomination for Supporting Actress. In Fatal Attraction, Ann Archer again plays Beth, who is the wife of Michael Douglas's character, who is the victim, really, of his infidelity with Glenn Close. Um, she is 
she goes through emotional wreck to kind of having the last fucking say. She's the one that ends it all in this movie. She pulls the trigger. She pulls the trigger literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you think about her in Fatal Attraction? I think she's okay. Um, I don't think she's given all that much to do until toward the end. Okay. Until like the last act of the movie. She's just kind of there for me. Until she has like her breakdown when Michael Douglas kind of reveals everything to her. Mm-hmm. There for a while, I think she's just kind of there. Not that she's being bad or anything, just that she's not really giving me anything, especially when you have Glenn Close and Michael Douglas who are giving like polar opposite mm-hmm. type of performance. But um, I think it's fine. I think it might be a bit of a coattail. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I don't have all that much positive to say about Ann Archer. Okay, so this is where we're going to differ hella. Yeah. I think she is so good here. I think she, she, for me, she's the most emotional thing about this movie. Um, this is where I think I'm going to get a lot of, like, what the fuck from people on. You're used to that. But I'm used to it by now. Um, and especially, but hearing what you just said about it, I think she's in the wrong category. Okay. I would not put her supporting. I would put her as a lead. I think this is a um, three-way lead film. Um, yes, there's the moment where uh, the affair is happening and she's not really in it, but after that, she's in like every other scene. And the screen time wise, which is my argument always, I would put her in lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think she's brilliant. I, she's my favorite thing about this movie um, because she, her character just goes on such an emotional ride. Um, but I think she's. this is a great fucking nomination. I like this a lot. Unfortunately, if you know my history by now, I, I can't reward her. And that's not a spoiler, because if you've listened since the beginning, you know. Um, because I, and I, it, it really sucks for me, because she's so goddamn good here. Um, but I think this is an amazing nomination. And unfortunately, she's just in the wrong category for me. Yeah, I think she's just fine. <laughs> See, hundred percent opposite there. Yeah, hundred percent opposite. And I love it. I love it. Yeah, you're like, okay, <laughs> happy for her. Thanks, thanks. Oh, I thought she's happy for me. That's why I said thanks. Oh, oh. All right. So finally, we have Anne Southern as Tisha Doherty in Wales of August. This is her sole nomination, and this is the first time I think I get to say this going because at this point they're brand new. Um, she got an Independent Spirit Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. That's all she had. In The Whales of August, um, Anne Southern plays Tisha, who is the next-door neighbor to Lillian Gish and uh, Betty Davis's character um, since childhood. And she is the quintessential friend who pops up, does what she has to do, leaves. What do you think of this? Um, it's okay. Um, I did not like this movie. Uh-huh. I thought this movie was boring as hell. I did kind of enjoy her. She's kind of like that nosy biddy mm-hmm. who's just always kind of poking around and getting in everyone's business and mm-hmm. i kind of like i recognized that character but yeah her performance in the movie itself i thought was just okay yeah i wasn't it wasn't really doing anything for me at all mm-hmm. so i don't know the movie's not great no um but i think she's she's good for what she's got to do yeah um, i guess i i kind of let's see what year we in because we we record these out of 87. Okay, so I can't say yet. Um, but this is kind of like... I think I said it for something else, though, too. I, I think because the Down East Maine accent is so hard to do, mm. we're, we're nominating an ac- for accent work here. Mm. So I think for me, that's, that's what we're getting from this nomination compared to the performance itself. And it's funny, too, because if you um, YouTube Ann Southern, there's um, a video that was really nice of her... For this uh, whole um, type of award she got for the Santa Barbara Santa Barbara Santa Barbara Film Festival thing, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like, I think the nomination is great, but I want to win. Yeah. I need to win, and then she didn't, and she never worked again after Wales of August. She didn't have a singular job after this. I really wish we would bring that back, where people are just more upfront yeah. with what they want. Yeah, I mean, go against other. But um, I don't think she stood a snowball's chance in hell of winning this. Oh no! So no, it's it's an it's a very boring movie and a I don't know an okay performance. It doesn't really give her that much to do. It doesn't really yeah. give her any opportunities or really any 
material to really work with. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of there for me. And it's weird to me, too, that out of that cast, you had Vincent Price to choose from Lillian Gish and Betty Davis. And not that Anne Southern wasn't good, because she's good here, but she's the one that got the nomination out of mm -hmm. everybody. So again, it's one of those moments where I'm like, what was this campaign like? Yeah. I'm asking that a lot this this decade. Or perhaps she was just a very beloved person in the acting world. I have no idea. No clue. But she got it, and she would die in 2001 or two, and this was yeah, her last uh, her last performance. Wow. So, shall we move on? Okay. Is that our last supporting? That's it. Okay. Anne Ramsey, Olympia Dukakis, Anne Archer, Anne Southern, and Norma Alejandro. Okay. So your uh, nominees for lead actress in 1987 were... Sharon Moonstar. Meryl Streep in Ironweed. <laughs> Sally Kirkland in Anna. <laughs> and Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. Holly <laughs> Hunter in Broadcast News. Okay, let's start with our winner for the year, Cher, winning for Moonstruck. This is her second of two nominations and her first and only win, having been nominated for Silkwood in 1983. Going into this, she wins the Golden Globe for comedy or musical, and she also wins the Kansas City Film Critics Award, and she will go on to be nominated for the BAFTA the next year. In Moonstruck, Cher plays Loretta Cast Castorini. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. She is a Brooklyn bookkeeper who falls for the brother of the man she's engaged to. So, thoughts on Sharon Moonstruck? I love Sharon Moonstruck, but I'm rolling my eyes because all I can think about is Nicolas Cage right now. And it's just like, after last year with Peggy Sue gets, or Peggy Sue got married, he just has like these back-to-back -back just like horrible performances, which is weird because he got a Golden Globe nomination for this too. Um, but regarding Sharon, it's, it's again, it's that perfect Sicilian... East painting Coast. a painting of that family during that time um and she has one of my favorite lines in that movie moonstruck by the way is my best picture winner of this year oh too. really yeah love moonstruck um bobo take the cart there's something about bobo take the cart that just gets me in and that's like the one restaurant i want to eat at for the rest of my life too mm -hmm. um bobo take the cart uh dessert you never eat dessert like she's just she's so natural and to know that this was like shared at like being tired as hell not wanting to do this role it's just like Brilliant. I mm -hmm. love this. This is a great win, and I fucking love this nomination. Compared to her first one, which I wasn't a huge fan of, Silkwood, which I, you know, we talked about in 83, or 84, whenever it was. 83. Three. Yeah, this is a great, great nom, for yeah. sure. I love Sharon Moonstruck as well. Um, she's just in charge throughout this entire movie, and I love it. She is, like, the queen of this movie, and she made this movie iconic you know, with her lines and with her looks. And I mean, it's, it's impossible to think of Cher without thinking of Moonstruck. And snap out of it. Right. So yeah, this is a well-earned nomination, I think. This is, this is really good. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. This, was a, this is a strong year. This is considered one of the strongest Best Actress lineups. This is a movie that has really grown on me. Because I think when I first saw it in like middle school, I, I, I didn't really get it. Like mm -hmm. it didn't really sink in at the time. Like I don't come from a family background like this, so I didn't really have like the nostalgic connection to it. It's nostalgia for me. Right. That's what it is. I know a lot of people who come from an Italian Sicilian background and they love this movie because yeah. it feels so real to them. And yeah. I don't come from that sort of background. So when I first saw it, it didn't really click. But over time, I've grown very fond of this movie and particularly Sharon Olympia Dukakis's roles in it. Mm -hmm. So I think they're, they're both tremendous. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I like it. I do too. Yeah. So our oh, next... Oh, and it gave me that gritty eighties New York that, you know, oh, yeah. that I love so much. Yes. Our next nominee is Glenn Close for Fatal Attraction. This is her fourth of seven nominations, previously up for The World According to Garp in 1982, The Big Chill in 1983, and The Natural in 1984. She didn't win anything going into this, and she really only had a Golden Globe nomination. In Fatal Attraction, Glenn Close plays Alex Forrest, a woman who has what Michael Douglas had intended to be only a one-night stand, as he is married with a child, but she is not going to be ignored, and she comes for him. So, thoughts on Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction? This is so bad. This is so bad. And it's not even my, my 
dislike of Glenn Close, but like I will say, like before she goes crazy, like in the restaurant scene and when he first meets her at the party, she's good. When she snaps though, it's so laughable. It's so over the top hammy and not in a good way. It's not believable. It's I don't understand how this got icon status because this is bad. Like there was such a, a, a solid list of actresses up for this role and this is who gets this role? No. This is not good. I don't like it at all. I really like it. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is a really fun movie. I mean, it's it's problematic in certain ways in the way it depicts mental illness and things and Glenn Close has been very upfront about that. Mm -hmm. Like she has said that she wishes she could go back and reapproach the role knowing what we know now about certain mental illnesses and stalking and jealousy and all these other things. I think this is also very much a movie of its time. In that way, it's sort of a time capsule in the way it depicted women, particularly women dealing with certain issues of the mind. And I think it shows. But for what it is, I think it's a very fun ride. Um, I love everything Glenn Close is doing. I'm here for it. I th she does snap and she goes balls to the wall. And it is ridiculous at times. But I enjoy the hell out of it. I think the energy she's giving off is palpable. And I'm here for it. Like, I get enjoying it, not taking that away. But it's it's so not believable. It's, I mean, I get there's different types of crazy. There's, like, you know, subtle crazy. There's crazy crazy. There's insanely crazy. Mm -hmm. This is laughable crazy. It just doesn't come off realistic to me at all. I think a lot of that has to do with the direction of the movie. I don't know. Yeah. There's just, there's so many more... There's so many better actresses out there that could have done this role. And again, it's not my biasness against Glenn Close. There's mm -hmm. just, this is not good. I think it might all. be a little bit of the biasness against Glenn Close. No, because I, 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 we've already recorded an episode and I give credit where credit is due. I can't, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about. I know, that's what I'm saying. There's a, I think there's a little bit. But this is just, this is not good. Mm -hmm. I stand by it. Okay. Meh. Go hang out with Ann Archer. <laughs> Fine. Ann Archer should have had this spot anyway. Okay. Our next nominee is Holly Hunter for Broadcast News. This is her first of four nominations. Going into this, she wins the Boston Film Critics and the LA Film Critics tying with Sally Kirkland. She also wins the National Board of Review and the New York Film Critics Circle. And she also is nominated for the Golden Globe for Comedy Musical and the National Society of Film Critics. In Broadcast News, Holly Hunter plays Jane Craig, a producer in, a world, in the world of big city television news. She's passionate and a bit neurotic, and her world basically revolves around her job. So thoughts on Holly Hunter and Broadcast News? I don't like it. Okay. I don't like James Brooks movies outside of Terms of Endearment. So, I mean, there's that. But Holly Hunter, to me, is not really memorable here. Um, I, for me, the most memorable performance in this movie is Joan Cusack. Mm. I think it's a perfect supporting performance. Yeah, I love her chase her, with the with the videotape. Yeah, she's trying hilarious. to get it on before they go live. Yeah, and then she's like freaking out before she gets it. It's a great, great little fun role. But I'm not connected to her character here. I'm not like rooting for her or like rooting against her. I'm. I think it's just a role that was played and happened. Pick up some steam around awards time. I don't find anything necessarily worthy of anything here. Um, but it's not my least favorite of the lineup. Mm -hmm. So I really, I like her here in this. She mm -hmm. is a character that I find myself rooting for. I'm totally on her team the entire time. Like she's, she's a woman in a world run by men and she's very aware of that and she's not going to take anyone's shit and she's going to leave her mark and impress a hell of a lot of people along the way, which she does when she's in like the control room, basically running the news while William Hurt is on TV literally reciting the news live. Mm -hmm. And I find myself on her team the entire time. And I love that we see different sides of her. Like when we cut to that shot of her sitting out on the dock, just bawling, like letting out all of her emotions there where no one can see her because she can't drop that facade around people because she's in this world where she would be ridiculed and kicked out by showing any sort of human emotion, i.e. being a woman. Mm -hmm. And so I, I find myself on her team the entire time, and I think she's great. I know she does get consumed by her work, and that becomes a huge detriment on her personal life, like her relationship with the Albert Brooks character, I think, is who she's with. And I think it's a very human performance, and I'm, I really love it. Heard. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're very opposite here. For yeah. Some, for this is a two. year where we're not lining up. We're not lining up very much. We've got... We're one, in, we're one for three so far. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's just... I also don't like... The, I mean, I mentioned I don't like the movie. I just find I think it's... Well, I mean, if you don't... If you're not um, jibing with a movie or a certain director's style, then I think it might be hard to give yourself over to the movie and the performances within it, which I totally get. But then we see that with, like, Anne Ramsey, for example. We all think it's, like, eh, a movie, but her performance is great. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's weird how this, these come off to us. Right. Well, that's, like... That's more of so the, the quality of a film more so than the style. Mm. I think because we talked last week about Jane Fonda in The Morning After and how that's not a very good movie, but we liked her in it. True. But then there's performances in, say, Woody Allen films that kind of have the same thing with you, and me me too on occasion, where sometimes the style of it just doesn't quite resonate. Brenda Vaccaro in Once Is Not Enough. Yeah. You know, so I get it. So I think there's a style versus quality uh, factor there. And I think James Brooks, or James L. Brooks might be a thing with you. Maybe that's why you don't find it quite as accessible. I love Terms of a Newman, though. Right, well, that's an exception. Yeah. Like, you have Bullets Over Broadway for Woody Allen. True. So there's there's always going to be exceptions. Maybe that's maybe that's why. Yeah. Heard. Yeah. So your next lead actress nominee is Sally Kirkland, nominated for Anna. This was her first and only nomination. Going into this, she wins the Golden Globe for Drama, the Independent Spirit Award, and the she ties with Holly Hunter for the Los Angeles Film Critics Awards. In Anna, Sally Kirkland plays Anna, a middle-aged Czech actress trying to make it in New York City when a young Czech woman just kind of randomly shows up in her life out of nowhere and Anna becomes her sort of surrogate mother and guides her into the life of acting. So thoughts on Sally Kirkland and Anna? Love. Love Sally Kirkland, Sally Kirkland and Anna. First of all, I'll get to the campaign in a second because her campaign is one of my favorite campaigns of all time um, for the Oscar. But this is such a good performance. It's, first of all, not only in my opinion, but it is also rated one of the top performances of the 80s for lead actors. Um, I believe by Entertainment Weekly. Um, Andrew Carden's a big fan of this one. I mean, like... Shout out to Andrew Carden. Shout out to Andrew Carden. People do really love this when you see Anna. Anna is also not easy to come by. I actually own a copy that I gave to you. Yes. And it's worth it. It's worth it just for the performance alone because the movie's not great. The movie's okay. The movie's okay. But, like, as a whole, Anna, like, Sally Kirkland is really good here. Because she gives you struggling actress. She is a name in her country. She had to leave her country. People turn her away at the door for parties. You feel her pain. She has this breakdown. It's really good. She, she is portraying it. Also, though, in a weird way, mimicked the future of Sally Kirkland's career in film. Because while Sally is a legend, yes, we get it, we respect it, we love her. She got to a point in Hollywood where it's like, what do you do? So it's like, she's... I, I still want to see a fucking Sally Kirkland come back at the Oscars because I think she's she's worthy. Um, but this is such a good performance. And I want to hear your thoughts and then let's talk about the campaign. Yeah, I think she's really good here too. Yeah. Um, she kind of gives you a little bit of everything in this mm-hmm. performance. Because like, like you were saying, she before she emigrated to the United States, her character, she was a big actress mm-hmm. in the Czechoslovakia, I think as it was still back then. Mm-hmm. And then she comes to the United States and all of her fame is basically stripped away. No one here knows who she is. Mm-hmm. And she becomes this struggling actress blending in with all these other women of a certain age who are trying to get their start mm-hmm. while being 50-ish years old. Yeah. I think she says she's 44 at a certain point in this. And I think the movie opens with like a, an audition scene Humpty Dumpty. It was she, it's like a it's a stage play, and the director is going about the audition in a sort of unconventional Weird way, way yeah. where there's no reading, and he wants them to like just recite um, a sexual memory. Yeah. And and she's not about it. She's a I don't know if she's a classically trained actress is the right way to put it, but she's more comfortable with a script. Yes. She wants to become a character. She doesn't want to show you who she is because mm-hmm. she's an actress. There's she like wants... one actress who in audition just jumps off the stage. Oh my gosh, she falls into the pit. <laughs> she falls into the pit in front of the stage and everyone's like, oh, she's okay. She's okay. So funny. But yeah, she's she's really good here. And she does get the part, sort of. She becomes an understudy. And I think the play is called Women at Different Ages. Mm-hmm. It's like a play about seven, seven women who are all at different ages. And she's the understudy for all of them, despite... 
not being the right age for most of them and right. also being white and there's actresses of color, but she's the understudy for all of them and it makes no sense. And she right. even addresses that, but you just kind of go with it because it's like a low budget play. Yeah. And I think she's, she's great. Um, I also too love how like she just goes off the deep end at the end and tries to shoot the... Um, Christina? Christina. And then Christina's like, don't, I love her. And it's just, it's, but I mean, I, Christina stole her story. Like I, I get. Right. Like there for a while, I thought this movie was going in an all about Eve route mm-hmm. where Christina was using Anna to, oh God, yeah. to become this big actress because Anna's like grooming her to become an actress. And she's telling her, how, she's telling Christina how when you go on these shows, you have to create a story. Mm-hmm. You have to become someone that people can get behind and root for you and want to see your movies. And, and Christina goes on a show, like a talk, entertainment tonight type talk show. And she steals Anna's real life story as her own and becomes this like pop culture of the moment phenomenon. Yep. And Anna is not having it and snaps. Yep. And it's beautiful because she has been trying, Anna has been trying so hard to make a name for herself. And yep. then this bitch comes along and steals Anna's name yeah. and, and makes a name for herself. Yeah. And it's a really interesting dynamic. Damn, she's got those gross wooden teeth in the beginning. Right. Ugh, that like brown ass smile. So let's talk campaign. Yeah. Sally Kirkland, we, you know, we talked a little bit about Margaret Avery's campaign, uh, campaign in 85 for the color purple. Sally Kirkland, though, is like the epitome of the grassroots campaign who she had Shelley Winters in her back pocket for as well. Um, Anna was distributed by Vestron. Uh, first of all, getting the script, uh, Sally's been very vocal about like, uh, she read the script. She knew whoever was going to do it was going to be nominated for an Oscar. Sally's hadn't, Sally hadn't worked in four years. Her her one role before she did this was a horror film called Fatal Games where she plays a trans athlete coach killer. Hmm. So, spoiler alert. It's a, it okay. is a very queer horror film, but Sally Kirkland ends up being, ends up being the killer who is a trans man. Mm-hmm. So, okay. that was her role before she had done Anna four years later. And so I guess she was like, she would send flowers to the director. I'm the best person person you're going to find for this. Turn down, turn down, turn down, and pretty much just wore the director out to where they were like, we're going to do it. So Vestron distributes. There's not a whole lot of money in the campaign. So she got like Andy Warhol and Rex Reed and, and Shelly Winters together and really was like, look at me. I look at, look at me. I'm Sally Kirkland. Watch this movie. She held screenings. Um, in uh, New York and LA, and then she's nominated for all this stuff. She starts winning and actually had a really good shot at winning this Oscar here. Um, she said that Gina or Jenna Rollins had said to her, I didn't even see your movie, but I voted for you just based off your campaign. So, I mean, I mean it's legendary, this campaign, mm. and I love it. Yeah, that's great. I'm, <laughs> I'm on her team. You're just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know what else. I mean, you're the expert on Anna, so I didn't know what else to contribute historical, but I think it's I think it's great that she just took initiative, and she was like, I'm going to get this Oscar. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck y'all. Yeah. And she just did it. And she also has one of my favorite losing faces of all time. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, if you look at the video where she loses to Cher, she's like, she's really into it. She, you know. She really wanted it. She really, really wanted it. Good for her. And then she, like, when she, so you can't people see my face, but just announce the Oscar goes to Cher. And the Oscar goes to Cher. Like she does this like tongue pop, like or tongue like uh-huh. roll, eye roll thing, and then like puts on a smile like, yes. I assure you listeners, the look was very good. Thank you. Thank I know you. none of you can see it, just take my word. Thank you, thank you. Um, but I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's a great performance and it's a great campaign. Yeah. So. I'm all about it. Yes. So our last nominee here and lead actress is Meryl Streep for Ironweed. This is her seventh of 806 nominations, <laughs> previously up for The Deer Hunter in 1978, winning for Kramer vs. Kramer in 1979, French Lieutenant in 1981, winning for Sophie's Choice in 1982, Silkwood in 83, and Out of Africa in 85. And she had no precursors, believe it or not. In Ironweed, Meryl Streep plays Helen, the lover and sort of drinking buddy to Jack Nicholson's Francis Phelan. So, thoughts on Meryl Streep and Ironweed? I don't like the movie. I think the movie's very boring. I, um, I agree. Uh, it's not great. It's not the best Nicholson performance. Sorry, people. I just knocked over something. It's not the greatest Nicholson performance we're given. It's not Meryl's best either. 
Um, a lot of people say that Meryl should be in supporting. Based off of screen time, I would say I'd keep her in lead. Um, it's on the fence for me. I mean, it can go either way. Yeah. I, I wouldn't complain. Yeah, but it's just, it's weird. That at this point, we're at the late 80s. We are, as is the audience, is very clear that the Academy has an infatuation for Meryl Streep. Um, it's just odd to me that in a year that gave us, like, Barbara Streisand and Nuts, and, you know, I've, some people say Faye Dunaway and Barfly, but I don't see anything Oscar-worthy about I've never that. seen Barfly. She's also barely in it, so she okay. would be supporting. Um, there's just so many... Ann Archer! Ann Archer and Fatal Attraction could have had this spot. Like, there's just so... You just were like, no. <laughs> um, there's just so many other people that I see that could have done this, and I'm just like... I could take it or leave it, but I'm leaving it. I guess. Yeah, I feel like Meryl got nominated because she's Meryl. Yeah. Especially considering she had literally no precursors, not even any critics' nominations. Yeah. I mean, she's not bad in the movie. It's just, it's nothing remarkable. Yeah. Like, she has this really, she has, like, one beautiful scene that I really like where she's sort of in her head and she has, like, that musical performance. He's my pal. That's what I was going to say. Like, when she has that sort of, mu she's in a, it's like a bar. or like Yeah. A, yeah. And she performs for an audience and she's wonderful and it feels like she is like in the right place. Like she is a star. Yeah. And then you realize it cuts away and it was all in her head. Yeah. That was her Oscar clip too. I, I believe it. Cause that's like, it's like the scene that I think of when I think of Meryl Streep and Ironweed. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I feel like she's just kind of there doing her thing, collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's okay. I just, I don't really see the, uh, I don't see the, the wind behind it. Yeah, the He's My Pal, her death scene. Uh, according to Nicholson, too, Meryl Streep is so good at playing dead that she actually went cold. Huh. Yeah. Um, I think this this nomination, if anything, the He's My Pal music scene and the death scene, I, I see where the nomination came in, but again, there's just so much more, like, so many more other performances you could yeah. have done. I, yeah, I think it was largely a love for Meryl at this point. I mean, yeah. she I mean, was almost a perennial nominee, or she was becoming one at this point. Yeah, and even for Nicholson, too, like, getting... Ironweed is just odd. I mean, I I don't like the movie, but what I do like about it is it does show us this other side of Nicholson that we don't get very often. Mm -hmm. This sort of more humane side of him, the less showy, shouting to the back row of the theater kind of performance that we so often get from him. Not that he's bad at that. I mean, he's he's usually very good at that, but Ironweed shows us this other side that we don't get very often, and that's probably the thing that I like most about it. Yeah. But yeah, it's overall, it's just fine. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a 182 from, because 87 gave us Nicholson and the Witches of Eastwick. Oh yeah, that was the same year, wasn't same it? Same year. Also so, Cher and Witches also of Eastwick. Also Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer. And Susan, Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. Oh wow. They all had that big curly hair. It was your brunette, your blonde, your redhead. That was a great movie. Yeah. Veronica I, Cartwright. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah. That's a fun movie. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, there's a, oh a total side note to Witches of Eastwick. I love who is it what is it Cher's house that's like a boat house dock house in that movie okay. right in the beginning where they have like their Tuesday nights uh, or Monday nights but yeah I mean it's just it's an odd nomination yeah I, I honestly I don't know if I would even I would put this in Meryl Streep's top, bottom five I nominees. would I probably would too yeah if I had to rank them Iron would probably be near the bottom near the bottom for sure but yeah speaking of ranking Oh, right. Let's do it. Okay. Um, to go over, again, your nominees for Supporting Actress were Norma Alejandro, Ann Southern, Ann Ramsey, Ann Archer, and Olympia Dukakis. So I'm giving Ann Archer my fifth spot just for category fraud for me here. Um, she is by far not the least impressive in this lineup. I think she's actually one of the best. Um, but in my... For, my, for me, for my roles, I have to give her five just because she's in the wrong category. I'm giving number five to Ann Southern for Whales of August. It just simply doesn't do anything for me. Heard. That's about it. Um, I'm actually giving four to Ann Southern because um, I think this is just a nomination for accent work and not the performance itself. Okay. I'm giving number four to Ann Archer for Fatal Attraction. Um, she has some moments, but overall she's really not... She's not the most memorable thing about the movie. And I think she's just okay. Heard. So. Heard. Um, number three. I don't want to, but I have to give it to Norma Alejandro. I want to give, like, 
put her higher just because she's never going to have another chance again. And I think it mm. was really good for what she did here. Yeah. But the last two, Anne Ramsey and Limpa Dukakis, are way too strong um, for me. And Norma Alejandro, wow, really, really good here. Um, I, unfortunately, she gets that third spot for that same old excuse that the other two just do a little bit more for me. Yeah, I agree with you with Norma. She's also my three for pretty much the exact same reasons. I think she's doing really wonderful work with the material she has. And I think she's even doing more than what's on the page because so much of it is on camera and it's sort of directing the audience, uh, the audience's perception of what's going on. But yeah, like pretty much like you said, the other two that I have remaining, Olympia Dukakis and um, Anne Ramsey, just do a little bit more for me. And with that, this is a really like solid two. Mm -hmm. um, I've always said... If you do comedy right, you get it. Um, and as much as I want to give her the first spot, I gotta give the runner up to Anne Ramsey, which means I'm giving Olympia Dukakis the the Oscar. I think the Academy did it right here. Um, regarding Anne, she's so funny. She's the best part about it. She's the most enjoyable thing about Throw Mama from the Train. And it's really sad that she died shortly after. But Olympia Dukakis. I forget that I'm watching an acting performance because it feels so natural. It's not even the nostalgia for me. Yes, it's nostalgic, but she she's so natural. I it, You forget you're watching an actress, and that is testament to true acting for me. And yeah. therefore, the Academy, you did it right. Olympia Dukakis should have won that Oscar. Mm -hmm. I agree. I give the win to Olympia Dukakis, and Anne Ramsey's also my runner-up. I think Anne Ramsey's hilarious in this movie, and I so love that she even got the nomination because this is so out of left field for the Academy, but she truly is funny as hell. Mm -hmm. But Olympia Dukakis is just like on another level. Like no. she becomes this woman in a way that is so admirable and so believable. No. And I think they got it right and her hair is impeccable. <laughs> you love that hair. <laughs> I do. I need, I need you to, to do a drag performance with the Olympia Dukakis hair. Oh, I really should. You really should. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah. All right. So uh, your nominees for lead actress, as a reminder, were Cher in Moonstruck, Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction, Holly Hunter in Broadcast News, Sally Kirkland in Anna, and Meryl Streep in Ironweed. And do you want me to start? Yeah. Okay, category. I'm giving my number five to Meryl Streep in Ironweed. It's just, um, it's okay. <laughs> That's all I really had to say about it. Heard. Um, I'm giving five to Glenn Close. Um, I just can't, I can't with this one. It's... I remember rewatching this and just being like, this is, when she goes nuts, she's just so bad in it. It's, it's not, it's not good, bad either. Like how like I said, like the perfectionist earlier was like good, bad. This is just like, she's so unbelievable. It's kind of embarrassing in my opinion for her. This is an embarrassing nomination. So I got to give her five. Okay. I think I'm going to surprise you because Glenn Close is my four. I do like her a lot in this, but mm. I think when I get to my other three, it'll make more sense why she's my four. But I do really enjoy the hell out of her performance. She takes me on a ride that I really enjoy every time I watch this. Mm -hmm. But there's something about the other three that kind of draws me more in as a, as a voter, I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna, I'll save that for the other three. Okay. Well, four is actually going to Meryl Streep, so we're just switching here. Um, I think that He's My Pal saves her for this. Otherwise, if I'm being honest, I would have put her behind Glenn Close, but the He's My Pal moment saved her for me. Um, I think that realization of when she... No one is actually paying attention to her. She, there's something so brilliant in her emotional display that that's what saves her from being dead last for me. Okay. Uh, Cher gets my number three spot for Moonstruck. Whoa. Oh, did that surprise you? That surprised the shit out of me. Um, I really like her here. She really becomes this character in a way that is super cool. Like she, The thing about these other three, I guess I'll just say it now, that doesn't quite work with Glenn Close's performance is they feel a little bit more human to me. Mm -hmm. Like, kind of what you were saying, Glenn Close kind of goes batshit nutty in a way, in a way that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. But I'm a little bit more drawn into the naturalism of these top three that I have. And right now I'm kind of just nitpicking between these top three because I think they're all really good. And Cher is iconic in Moonstruck and she's great. But there's something about the other two that just kind of draw me in a little bit more. Heard. Um, number three, I'm giving to Holly Hunter. Um, that's even surprising me. I'm honestly surprised I didn't actually put her at three and Meryl at four, but I'm sticking with it. Um, I think it's okay, but I just gotta go three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm on my two, right? Yes. So I have Sally Kirkland and Holly Hunter left, and I'm giving Sally Kirkland the runner-up, and I'm giving Holly Hunter the win for broadcast news. Sally Kirkland is wonderful in Anna, and it's 
kind of a shame that this was her only nomination. Also a shame that this was her only like really big movie. Okay. But I really root for Holly Hunter and Broadcast News. And like I said in our network episode, how I know people like Diana Christensen, I also know people like Jane. And this character is so real to me. Like I've worked, I've never worked in news media, but I've worked in like entertainment industry type shit. And this role really resonates with me. And I think you see so many different sides of her. And she feels so three-dimensional to me that every time I watch this movie, I am so on her team in a way that I can't really say about a lot of performances. So as much as I really love Sally Kirkland and Anna, and in, in a different year, it definitely could have gone to her, I find myself so drawn to Holly Hunter. So I'm going to give Holly Hunter my win. I grabbed my pearls. Yeah, you did. I grabbed my pearls because, I, I, first of all, I was expecting Cher and Sally Coke, Sally Coke and Cher and Sally, I can't fucking talk. Cher and Sally Kirkland in your top two. I never, never expected you to choose Holly Hunter. I didn't think you would uh, think Cher would be so high for me. No, 100% I did. Oh, really? 100% Why I did. Why is that? I, I, for some reason, I think it, for me, with how you watch movies, I just feel like you would have been more into her character. Kind of like the way you're into Holly Hunter's character. I feel yeah. like it would have been like Lorena Castorini is like... Well, I am into it. This top yeah. three was... I was kind of, like, I, t I think I told you, I've done this lineup so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Right now, in the moment, I'm feeling Holly Hunter. Yeah. It's very possible next week I'll be like, Sally Kirkland. Heard. And in a month I'll be like, you yeah, know, Cher really did deserve that. <laughs> so I know I say that in a lot of our episodes, but that really is how I am. Like, sometimes I listen back to our episodes and I can't remember how I ranked, and I'll just do it really quick, and I don't agree with myself. Heard. So, but today, Holly Hunter gets my win. Heard, heard. Um, so that leaves me with Sally Kirkland versus Cher, which is kind of like what it actually came down to mm -hmm. come Oscar night away. Um, for me, it's like, do I go with really, really funny nostalgia? It feels right. That's how it actually is. Or do, do I go with, um, feels right for the performance, one of the strongest of the decade, maybe of all time in the category being Sally Kirkland. So this is a really, really hard decision for me. Um, but I'm sticking with it. Um, Cher is my runner-up. Sally Kirkland is the rightful winner for me. Um, Cher is brilliant. She's perfect as Loretta. She's everything I wanted from an Italian woman during that time, even now. Um, and Moonstruck is my best picture mm -hmm. of that year, uh, out of the nominees. Um, Sally, though, on fire. The sh the, I, I don't know. It's definitely not the campaign, because I'm not a very political, you know, I always say it's about the performance, not the politics. Like, I hardly ever bring the campaigns into my discussions. This one had to, though. Well, this was nice. This is like a trailblazing campaign. Yes. So, I mean, it, it factors in, definitely, and yes. it belongs in the conversation. Yes. But, yeah, I usually just look at the movies. Yeah. Um, but Sally was... Sally gave me everything. I've been Team Kirkland for years. I've, mm -hmm. I, I, I had a feeling you kind of knew where I was going with this. Cause I've always I, talked about Anna. I knew how how much you love this movie. Yes. And particularly her performance. So I had a feeling if she wasn't your top, she was your runner up. Yeah. Um, but this is sublime. I think Sally Kirkland is amazing. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I really dig her and Anna. I wish, do you know actually that Sally turned the role or the Diane Weist role in Parenthood down? Oh, interesting. I so didn't know that. That could have been her second nomination. Wow. Okay. Yeah. She turned it down. I kind of wish, I know I kind of mentioned it earlier, but while I was watching Anna, or shortly after it was over, I kind of wish it had been like an All About Eve story directed by David Cronenberg. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted this like really fucked up, weird All About Eve story to, to develop. It didn't quite go that way. It sort of kind of dabbles in it, mm -hmm. but I feel like if the, if the movie had been a little bit, I don't want to say, maybe stronger is the wrong word. But I feel like if the movie had been better overall, maybe her performance would have been elevated a little more. And maybe she could have taken my win. Because mm -hmm. I think she is really good in Anna. No. But there's something about Holly Hunter and Broadcast News that really just works for me. Tickles your pickle. Yeah. Um, I, what was I going to say? Oh, I want to talk with the kid because we, we discussed it a little bit after Gabby. But Rachel Chagall, oh, Rachel right. Evan played Gabby, uh, was nominated for the Golden Globe for this. And honestly, I think she should be in the top. Or she should be in the lineup here. I think her performance as Gabby um, is really, really good. Yeah, I I would remove Meryl and put her in in, in her place. I could see her getting nominated. Of course, it's also a movie of its time because, you know, today there'd be a conversation about her that type of performance. 
coming from an, an able-bodied actor. Because I think even at one point we were watching it together, I even asked you, I was like, is, is she, she disabled? Yeah. Because she is giving a really believable performance. I truly wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. But I think if this movie had come out today, there'd be more of a conversation surrounding that. But for its time, I think she is doing a really remarkable job. And I would switch out Meryl for her. Heard. Really quick, you're remaking Anna. Who's Anna? Go. Oh, God. My mind just went blank. You go first. Tammy Brown, go. Oh, I, oh my God, I'm not good under pressure. <laughs> By the way, not Tammy Brown. Um, Vera Farmiga. Oh, I could see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could really see that. I could see, she's not quite old enough yet, but I could see Jessica Chastain really doing well with this. Oh, yeah. I think she's about well, just, 10, 10 years too young. Jessica's in her oh, 40s. Is she, is she really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, I thought she was in her 30s. Okay, so she's close. Mm -hmm. I could see Jessica Chastain really tearing this up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could dig it. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, I don't think so. Wow. 1987. You were a good year. Mm-hmm. Pretty solid year. Um, were, you, were you shocked with my Ann Archer thing, by the way? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anyone be so team Ann Archer. I love Ann Archer. I honestly think, like... Whoa. Ooh, sorry about that. I honestly feel like she probably could have taken, um, had in my eyes she actually been supporting, she probably could have actually won over Olympic Dukakis. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Heard. Um, all right. So, what's my name? Oh, Joey Gentilly. I'm Joey Gentilly. And I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And this has been Academy Queens, the class of 1987. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye.